So welcome to episode 5 of the Before It Was Cool podcast. I'm your general host, Tom Roberts. I'm here with my special co-host this week, AC Brimshaw. Everybody, welcome him. Welcome yourself, AC. Hey, it's uh, it's good to be here and we'll talk some stuff about a lot of stuff. Yeah, and hopefully everyone's going to be interested in it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I will be because I, I love these topics and uh, hopefully AC will too. But uh, for now, we're going to uh, play the intro and kick off the show. Welcome. 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 Welcome to the Before It Was Cool podcast. Thank you everyone for sticking around through that intro. Uh, if you've listened to my other shows, you know for a fact that I don't like my own uh, intro. I don't like my own creations, but that's most artists, I guess. <laughs> okay, uh, the first segment we're going to talk about is something that AC has a bit more uh, hands-on uh experience than me with and that is professional wrestling i guess man yeah maybe a little bit yeah (laughs) (laughs) well i've never actually gotten into a wrestling ring like i have but i've never gotten in there to wrestle yeah Uh, i I did see you once yeah taken into a wrestling ring so (laughs) i was there for that (laughs) yeah yeah if i people haven't because i've never told the story on this show before but oh really uh, I was actually attending the House of Hardcore in Sydney, the second tour, and AC was at that show. And uh, I told Tommy Dreamer only in the night that my dream was to get in a wrestling ring. And at the end of the night, he told Mick Foley, he told Bubba Ray Dudley or Bully Ray at the time, and they ended up picking me up from my wheelchair and putting me in the ring with them, which yeah. was pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, that was a really cool night. Yeah, it was. It was some fantastic matches. I still brag about the Nick Aldis Robbie Eagles match. Yeah, that yeah, that was sensational. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh so you've got some experience in the wrestling ring, do you? Yeah, yeah, I um I started wrestling in uh year two thousand, so I started getting trained. And um and then debuted a few months after that and yeah, yeah, wrestled around for a few years after that. Um eventually ended up breaking my collarbone though. Um so that led me into doing commentating and then being a referee for a while and then eventually ended up kind of giving away due to um being more focused on music and stuff, but you no, know, I, I was wrestling, um, yeah, 2000, and like it's kind of insane because been I started going to Aussie wrestling shows about two years before that, and one of the first shows I ever went to was called uh, AWF Psychotic Slam '99, and that actually had Sabu and Chris Candido. Um, it had Vulcan on it as well, Marty Jannetty, um, TNT. Uh, Chucky Chaos, ZZ Hook, a uh, bunch of other guys, <laughs> bunch of other guys as well, and um, that really kickstarted my um, me into the Aussie wrestling scene because I really had no idea 
that this even really existed because I obviously watching um, WWF at the time, WCW, um, and that led me into ECW yeah. uh, from that show. And I did a lot of tape trading as well. So I started meeting a lot of people through tape trading. Um, and that's that's how I actually started training uh, as well because I'd meet people through there. But I was... Um, I'd already been talking to TNT at the time, uh, and I, I was I was pretty young, and I was doing like a website for him, and then that led me onto another company, and I went to do a website for them. But when I turned up um, to do the to talk about the website, they literally threw me in the ring and monkey flipped me, and I landed on the the um, the PCYC boxing ring, and uh, yeah, then uh, they were like, "So do you want to come and wrestle?" And I I said yes. Stupidly, I said yes, <laughs> and that's how I'm, that's how I actually got started. That company was called uh, TWP Titan Wrestling Promotions, and there's still a few people from that company that are still around now, but uh, not very many. Is that so. uh, Vulcan's Wrestling Company? No, this was um, it was a company. It used to be called the. Oh, it goes way back. So it used to be AWA in Australia, um, which was the mid '90s. This company, so. Um, a lot of people came up through AWA. People like TNT. Um, he he was on that the, that kind of thing as well. I believe Mark Mercedes and all that kind of I think all went through that as well. At some point, everybody was kind of part of AWA. Is one of the I wouldn't say one of the more well known companies, but in Sydney, a lot of people came up through it. Um, they actually a little, little bit of trivia. They actually had the old WCW ring in yeah. Australia. Um, and that ring, I don't know who owns it now, but um, yeah, it was one of the bigger rings in Australia because a lot of companies run, uh, what is it, 16? Yeah, and, and, and I, that was a 20 by 20. I it? think it was 20, yeah. So running those ropes were, and I never knew till you until I got into another ring that really there was much difference, but you're always taking four strides, five strides to hit the ropes where other rings you, you do it in uh, almost two and a half to three, so. Yeah. But uh, I think it's PWA runner eighteen by eighteen. Okay. Yep. I think, and that's the one that, like, uh, that was the one that House of Argo used, and that's the one that New Japan uses yep. whenever they come out. I've got to say, PWA is doing amazing things, and uh, that kind of reminds me of um the early, yeah, the early two thousands, um, where in Australia, like AWF was doing really, really big things and bringing out people and working with a lot of people, um, different wrestlers. And PWA are doing the exact same thing, but it even, I don't know, it, it just seems like an even more professional product now. Yeah. Um, when, when I see that and I've watched um, some of their shows they put up um, online, which is a good way to, like live, their presentation is unbelievable as well. But it, what they're doing, even with the commentating, it's very professional. And that's one thing that's um, sometimes lacked in Australian professional wrestling is the the, the commentating aspect yeah. of it. Uh, it's hard to find good commentators that actually know what they're talking about. Yeah. And um, from what I've seen online, that they've got it. They've nailed it. Uh, one of the commentators was a former radio DJ, like a show okay. host. And he's just a big fan of wrestling. So he said, hey, look... I don't know the technical holds, but I can come on as your color commentator. And yep. they said, yeah, sure, come on, we'll see how you are. And he's been their, their commentator for like five years now. 
Well, it, it works. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't actually know that, by the way. So that, um, yeah, that, uh, that explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, they, they, they've got Robbie Eagles, obviously. He's, like, the standard bearer for... I'm a huge Robbie Eagles fan. Yeah. Uh, he's, like, the standard bearer for Australian pro wrestling at the moment, like, internationally. Uh, yep. And, like, recently they've just uh, signed... Uh, they've just sent Maddie Wahlberg and I can never remember her last name, Steph something, uh, over to WWE. Uh, like they've just signed performance center contracts. Yeah, I've got to admit the the Aussies now are really getting noticed, and they've got a pathway to actually get over there now. And that yeah. was something that I'm going back to like, when I started. There was a handful of people that had been overseas. Um, and a handful that had wrestled in major, like, so Mark Mercedes, like, he was on WCW. Yeah. Um, trained, trained by the Milankos and stuff. Um, uh, oh, there was a few more. Why has it just escaped me? Um, I remember uh, TNT, he went overseas and uh, learned some stuff in Mexico, uh, the USA as well. Um, and what was good is they'll they bring them stuff, but nobody seemed to be able to stay over there. Yeah. And, and get into any major promotion. And, and if they did, they were only dropping by and what's been really good recently is seeing uh, people show up on NXT um, AEW um, the, the fact that we're now there there is we've had we've had now like actual champions holding titles yeah but this is this is unbelievable this is not Nathan Jones going over and doing absolutely nothing and being a total waste of time and doing a run um, in spot at WrestleMania because he wasn't good enough that's I I thought that was ridiculous. I remember I paid money. Uh, what was it? It was um, Aussie Wrestling Super Show number whatever three, and and he didn't even show up. Yeah. And and there, there, like uh, you know I've been around the wrestling scene, not just wrestling, but being a part of it, being a fan, and that's what I am. I'm a fan. Number one, I'm a fan. And now once again, seeing the talent now, um, oh, Bronson Reed. So yeah. yeah. He, I what what was the pay per view? It was last month, whatever, and it was the jewel. So stand, t- take, stand and take deliver. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, take over, um, stand and deliver. That was it. And um, seeing just both those nights and, and watching next going, week he's fighting for the U.S. title against uh, jo- Johnny Gargano. He's doing major things, and what has been good is actually seeing um, these talents, um, homegrown. And yeah. then moving over there. And so there has been, I know there's been Australian talent that has moved to America. They've never wrestled in Australia at all. Yeah. But they've moved over. They've moved over to America. They've got trained. Um, but it's really good seeing um, the talent, uh, the guys and the girls getting trained locally and then going overseas. So we, we, we've seen them. We, you know, we've, we've paid our $5, $10 to watch them at a show. Yeah. And we've seen the growth uh, being able to make it to, it is the big time. Like yeah. they're, like WWE, uh, AEW, um, Impact. These are the the big companies. Yeah, exactly. right now. Uh, Ring, Ring of Honor as well. I forget Ring of Honor. Um, but these are the big companies, and we've right now as well because of the internet. And this is something in my tape trading days we never had. I'd have to really go out my way to get tapes and different things and find things, and it, and it was exciting. But now I can log onto the internet, type in a company, and yeah. I have access to wrestling straight away. Which we've never had that before. I came in right at the end of the uh, tape trading era, and I've yep. got a, like a cabinet in my garage from top to bottom, just full of tapes. 
<laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah like you said it's so much easier now like uh finding out about Bronson Reed when he was still Jonah Rock for example or finding about out about uh when he was still Elliot Saxon I can never remember his WWE name yeah, no, I can't either. <laughs> <laughs> and and meeting them at shows and having... I told this on an episode a few weeks ago. Having uh, Jonah Rock say to me, WWE is a pipe dream, I'll never make it there. Yeah. Well, he didn't say I'll never make it there. He said, I don't think I'll go there. Yep. And, like, and cut to... And that was only, like, three years ago. Or two years yeah, ago. Whatever that, that's it was. Insane. At the... Uh, the uh, G3 match between him, Adam Brooks, and Robbie Eagles. And then now he's fighting for the title in the main event on NXT. Yeah, that's it's insane to think about that. Yeah. And then you've got, like, Slex and Adam Brooks who are about to rip it up in Ring of Honor. And you've yep. got Robbie Eagles who's already ripping it up in uh, New Japan who I think at some point is going to uh, compete for the IWGP title against uh what's his name uh, osprey. osprey yeah yeah definitely like, and I, i've seen uh is it twice maybe the three times twice I, i've seen them at least twice and they yeah, they tear the house down every time so yeah. that that's a no-brainer that kind of has to happen right <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and like they've got that dynamic where they're just they haven't had a bad match against each other they just know yeah. what each other's going to do yeah, the chemistry, it's unbelievable. Um, and that's what's good. It is good to being able, you know, where we've seen two guys from two opposite sides of the world come together and, yeah, they're putting on the perfect match. Yeah. Like, did you go to the second New Japan show? No, I didn't. Or, no. or even the first? Yeah, no, I went to the first. At yeah. uh, Olympic Park. And the second one was at the... Roundhouse in Sydney at the UNSW yep. Roundhouse, but uh, to be completely honest, the the first one was unbelievable, and all the talent on the show was really cool. Um, I did I did watch the second one. Yeah, I, I they did. showed Melbourne had... on Fight TV, and then yes. Sydney was just for the live crowd. Okay, because I did watch something, and um, yeah, they had the New Japan ring there or it looked like at this time yeah it was the pwa ring dressed up to look like new yep. japan ring yeah because that was um that was the first thing i remember noticing and but the main reason honestly um the first show big fan of um like the young bucks and kenny omega and stuff like that and that's obviously the reason we went to the first one um and when they weren't on the second one that obviously was that was me that was <laughs> that's the reason why i didn't go um yeah like the second one had tanahashi yeah which was kind of cool i got to meet him and he is a can't speak a word of english but he's a really (laughs) nice guy i think he could have been swearing at me under his breath and i wouldn't have known (laughs) he wouldn't even know (laughs) but uh he's a very pretty man let's put it that way as well (laughs) uh but uh, that the turn at the end where Robbie Eagles left the Bullet Club to join yes. Chaos was fucking awesome. Yes, see, I yeah, I did, I did definitely see this. Yeah, yeah, that that bit of footage made it on all the uh, like cultaholic world culture, all that stuff. Okay, but uh, the whole show, I'm pretty sure New Japan World might have shown it, but Fight didn't. Okay, see, I was on um, I 
I had New Japan World up until um, the last, uh, what's their big show? Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah. Yeah, so just after that, I, I got rid of um, New Japan World. This year? Was it, yeah, it would have been, it must have been this year. Yeah, okay. Oh, oh yeah, well, I think it was this year. Um, once again, it, it's kind of hard. The pandemic's kind of messed up things with uh, a lot of the people that I enjoy watching weren't able to be, you know. Yeah, it, at it, the shows. It's hindered a lot of wrestling. So, um, yeah, so I I got rid of it. Um, when it all, everything starts back up, I, I probably will just uh, buy it again. But then yeah. I've got subscriptions for everything. This is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I find myself forgetting that I've got the subscription. <laughs> and funnily enough, especially to WWE, I forget that I got the subscription. And I forget that a pay-per-view just happened or is happening or whatever. Uh, I, I I only remember Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. That's it for me. Like yeah. that's that's my two favorites. I love Royal Rumbles. Um but that's the Rumble is my favorite. It doesn't matter what like what wrestling show I'm at, if there's a Rumble, I'm I'm there. That's my favorite match of all time. Um yeah, not not like a battle royal, but like a rumble where like people come out staggered. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite. Almost like gauntlet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My 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 all time favorite pay per view is uh, the Survivor Series. That's because that's a special place in my heart. The two thousand and two Survivor Series, probably in my book, the best of them all. But uh, that's up for debate with some people. But. Uh, that was the very first pay-per-view I bought live. Like, oh, I okay. tape traded, but I never <laughs> bought one live. So yep. I finally got that one. And that was the Elimination Chamber and the SmackDown okay. 6 tag team match. That was Ages fucking awesome. <laughs> and it was right at the start of the Reign of Terror. Okay. And there's another thing with... um. I've got like um, a lot of tapes and stuff, but I also got a lot of stuff on hard drive as well. I ended up getting all of Nitro and all of Raw um, up till, with uh, Raw, I got up to 2006. Um, the main reason I got them on hard drive is because some of the stuff on the network, they've, they've changed some things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it is cool to have um, kind of a hard copy, and they're not perfect. Like some of, uh, some of the episodes are actually kind of cool. When you're watching Nitro, somebody who's taped it is actually flicking between Raw and Nitro, so you'll be watching it, and you'll be watching, you know, I don't know, Hulk Hogan, um, uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan versus, I don't know, Diamond Dallas Page, and they switch, and you're seeing, like, Mankind and The Rock, and you go, what just happened? So, yeah. so it's kind of cool to see what was happening live at the time, because obviously living in Australia, we had, um, a, Nitro was, what well, it was, it's only a few days delayed, but Raw was a little bit more. So yeah. but it didn't matter. We didn't have it on the same day, so we didn't have to sit there and flick. We were, and I was talking to one of my friends about this. Um, the that we were so lucky that we didn't need to channel hop. We got best of both worlds, and it's when people talk about you know the the AW NXT war or whatever they're trying to say it is. I'm like, there is so much wrestling now. It doesn't matter. Like enjoy it. Because it's such a good time for wrestling that once again you can log on to YouTube and there's so much free wrestling. Yeah, exactly. And because uh, NXT changed nights and then Impact changed nights, it's now wrestling every single day of the week from the big companies. There is no war. Just 
if you like one company, like one company. If you like two companies, if you like all companies, like all companies. Um, this is the thing. I, I with tape trading, I got to learn about so many uh, different companies, and also uh, got to learn about people before they um, became big. And that was uh, really cool because I used to get, I think it was Ohio Valley Wrestling. Um, I used to get that every two weeks, and yeah. there would be tapes for it. And people like uh, Batista, um, what was it, Eugene, so Nick Dinsmore, um, Randy Orton as well. All these guys, I got to watch them wrestle like in front of no one in this Ohio Valley Wrestling kind of um, the setup they had, which is a studio setup. But yeah. you got to see like character development. You got to see some really cool things before they actually hit the big time. And it's not the same as what NXT is now because NXT – it's way more polished. Yeah. It really is. It, it's way more polished. And it was kind of cool seeing them all at grassroots level. And then they'd also bring people from the main roster in just to do those shows. So, yeah, I don't know. I just got keep thinking about tape trading. It's been such a long time that I've even thought about all this other, um, all these other things that I have that I just don't watch anymore. But also tape trading used to, even though you can get it for free, I still one of them. I remember paying $40 for a copy of Beyond the Mat, which was one of those bootleg copies. Yeah. So you, so you could hardly even see what was going on, but I remember that was 99, so I, I can't even remember what age I would have been then. But I just remember watching that and being like, this is the greatest thing ever. And I, I still love that documentary. <laughs> I remember begging my parents for, I think it was, uh, would have been like 20 bucks. It wasn't much. And all... Oh, for them it was because we weren't exactly rich growing up but uh in uh like mid 2000 for this show that my friends were talking about and uh i ended up getting it was called uh acw anarchy rules 99 yep and i watched it and i had no idea what i was watching because at the time i was only a wwf fan i knew the wwf i knew Mankind flew off the soul, and that was the most hardcore thing I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was the pay-per-view, I think it was that pay-per-view, where Taz lost the belt to, uh, what's his name, uh, Michael Awesome. And I had no idea who Masato Tanaka or Michael yeah. Awesome or Taz were, so it meant nothing to me. And then yeah. later on, I learned that that was a big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I remember that was my first foray into ECW, but I was hooked from, like, the opening match, just seeing how raw it was and seeing how visceral that crowd was. It was just awesome to me. Yeah, that ECW, I still, um, I still have fond memories with my friends as well. We would all, I'd get new tapes and they'd all come over and watch ECW because, once again, it was so different. WCW and WWF. It was it was completely different, and I didn't. I still sometimes I don't know why I was like gravitated towards it. It was so cool. I did love um, deathmatch wrestling and garbage wrestling, or whatever. Um, I still do. Um, it's something that I I still love watching. And but ECW, it wasn't exactly that. Like ECW then got me into like Japanese deathmatch wrestling. Yeah. And and I, but some of the Japan I've got matches where it's a Japanese bathhouse death match where people are like bathing, yeah. and they're just fighting in and out. It makes absolutely no sense. And there's like 
crocodile death matches and my favorite one is the piranha death match piranha death match yes i finally got to watch it a few months ago and my god is it brutal he traps him in a fucking piranha tank no wonder it's never happened again like god damn but that's it some of that stuff i love so much and um but ecw had a really good balance of um I don't know, like, really good, really good wrestlers, but the stuff, it almost, I don't know, bad to say, oh, it was more real, but it just had this vibe about it where it just, it felt like they were really killing each other every yeah. time they were doing zero. And then when I started getting more into Japanese wrestling and you started seeing the way they were hitting each other, and I, I at that time as well, I was getting a lot of um, the Japanese female tapes. Yeah. And they would kick the shit out of each other. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I still, you can put, like the I can't even what the shows are, but you can put any of the female wrestling, uh, the Japanese wrestling in the mid '90s and the late '90s up against any other Jap, and they they were tougher than the men, 100%. You watch it, and they were kicking the literal shit out of each other. Yeah, <laughs> it was brutal. And like uh, the in the late '90s, that's when Suzuki and a few others came, were coming up, but that was still. Oh yeah, I agree with you. That was still way more brutal. Yeah, even though uh, like Anoki was like obsessed with the uh, mixed between MMA and yep. the uh, and the professional wrestling world, the females were still hitting harder. Yeah, they, they it was insane. Like I still watch these tapes and go, how you know, to me, how is this not uh, more popular in the states? But it it's taken a long time for that to even get to where it is now. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> like what the the way the 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 lady, what is it, the, the women's wrestling is now. Um, they are like they're main eventing, and it's pretty like um, their their wrestling is amazing. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't like um, yeah, the the late nineties where it just uh, women's wrestling. It was it was nothing really like it's bad to say but to me I it just didn't interest me it was all about what was it <laughs> Jay, um, the king and he was like puppies and all this kind of stuff and exactly. um, I, and I you know what I still watching Raw and yeah Raw is War and all this stuff and the king and everything and puppies and everything it was amazing like uh, that's what I got brought up and I thought that whole um uh the way he was it was was very exciting and so was Rora's War and being a little bit more I know everybody like suck it and and I still remember like everybody's crotch chopping uh, cr- yeah chopping their crotches and man like it was an amazing time and things obviously did have to change yeah. and they slowly have and like we'll always have the Attitude Era and that was cool uh, and what we have now what I think is happening now is um like where wrestling was uh, it was Bigger guys. It was always bigger guys and kind of muscle hasn't. We're, we're getting way more athletic, and he, even the bigger guys are way more athletic. And Bronson Reed, Jonah Rock, like he's one of those guys. Yeah. Um, I remember I saw. Ah, oh, yeah, it was Jonah Rock versus Brian Cage, World Series Wrestling in Sydney, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and those two guys, both massive dudes, and they were killing it. And I still can't believe Brian Cage can just backflip like it's nothing. But yeah, it, um, but wrestling has become way more athletic. And guys like uh, Robbie Eagles, 
um, versing Will Osprey, and how you said that you know in the future we might see them go for the the title. Um, I, if you had told me two years ago that Osprey would be the champion right now, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have agreed with you at all. Yeah, the shit. I'll say it never happened. I, and um, when you beat Coda for the belt, I was even then. I was like, why? Why'd you put it on him? Why'd you take yeah. it on Coda? Right now, when the the uh, forbidden door is open and Kenny Omega is the world champion on the other side of that door, why the fuck would you take the belt off Coda? Yeah. Like, that's just... Uh, yeah. They've obviously uh-huh. got other plans in mind. I, yep. For me, I believe it's going to be uh, Okada will take the belt off Osprey. Then Okada will go over to America, and it'll be him versus, uh, sorry, him versus uh, Omega at some point. Yep. That stuff's cool. Wrestling is cool again. This is one thing I, I've kind of not uh, touched on, but when I went, I did, like, so I started uh, wrestling, and then I wrestled for a bit and was a fan or whatever. And then when I got into to like being in a band, there was a whole, there's a gap there where I stopped going to live shows. And there was a, there was a gap as well where I stopped watching wrestling for a while. And I have friends that kind of did the same where we didn't watch wrestling all the time. You kept up to date with the internet. Like you'd read the synopsis of the show or you'd watch highlights because that's what it became to. And still, I, I don't watch Raw yeah. anymore. I, I don't, I cannot tell you. No, the last time I watched Raw was one of their like, um, raw anniversary shows where it was the last time the big show was on it. Yeah. Um, that was the last show I watched because I watch when they do the retro shows or they do the you know the callbacks. I watch those shows because it's nostalgia, and I'm a huge nostalgia fan. Yeah. Um, so when those kind of things happen, I'm I'm all about that. That's that's cool. Um, like SmackDown the other week, kind of the big fist back, you know, that kind of thing. I love that kind of stuff, but um. Yeah, I haven't watched Raw. I, I do have a subscription at AEW, so I watch that every week. I only watch... I, ha, I I didn't watch it last week, so I still miss it from time to time. Um, yeah. But I, but it was 2008, 18? When, whenever the House of... The first House of Hardcore tour was um, with the uh, Young Bucks. 2017. 2017. When... So that show was the first wrestling show I had been to since Hulka, the Hulkamania tour, whenever that was. <laughs> wow, that was ages ago. Yeah, so... Uh, are you that talking was, about the Hulkamania the... tour, the one WWE did, and then they cancelled Hulk Hogan? No, 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 not that, no. That, the Hulkamania tour with Ric Flair. And Umaga. Um, Umaga, yeah, that, that's right. That was yeah. like oh nine or eight. That was there you go. Ages that ago. was the last wrestling show I had went to. Jesus um, Christ! And and because I wrestling for me, there was this. I don't know everybody that was on the show. It seemed was a bit stale. Um, I was watching. I did watch Raw every now and again, or I was reading up, and nothing really appealed to me. I cannot. I cannot tell you at that time between. Those periods till about 2017, 2016, I started kind of going, oh, I'm hearing some cool things. Um, I I remember I started watching Ring of Honor in about 2016. Mm. I saw, and I can't remember what triggered me to watch it, but 
from memory, a lot of the a lot of them that were on TNA had started and they'd moved to Ring of Honor, I think. Yeah. And that's um, maybe like UJ Lethals and Christopher Daniels. Well, Kazarian, I, kind yeah, of. I think Christopher Daniels and Kazarian started in Ring of Honor and then they moved to TNA, then they moved back to Ring of Honor. I could. I could. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just. One second. Yes. Okay, right at the start. Yes. Yeah. Because I, I see, I, I had Ring of Honor right from the start. I still have, once again, all my tapes. Um, <laughs> but I also, random thing, and because whatever, in Beyond the Mat, if you actually watch closely, um, when when the two guys are trying out for WWE, um, Christopher Daniels is actually in the background because he's wrestling on that Raw that night. Just yeah. Random fact. Fucking every time I see it, I'm like, hey, this CD. Um, <laughs> Fallen Angel. <so. laughs> yeah. But but yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I got out of wrestling for such a long period of time. And that Hulkamania show was awesome because um, I went there with uh, my friend, my brother, my dad, and it was just one of these things. Like, had all the the guys. I'd grown up watching and things like that, so that was a really cool show. Regardless of the wrestling, the wrestling was trash, um, but but just seeing everybody there in the one building and how it was actually quite packed. Yeah. Um, so I got out, and then it was it was the House of Hardcore tour. I saw that pop up, and it was only because Billy Gunn and Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. That's all I really, really cared about. I went, oh, yeah, we'll go for this. And I knew who the Young Bucks were because I remember seeing them in TNA years ago. Generation um, Me? That's them, yep. yeah. And that that's how I remember them. I don't. So this is where it's weird. Like, I went, hey, that's that's those young dudes that looked like the Hardy Boys in TNA. Like, that's how my memory. So that's years ago. And then I'm going to a show to see them. And then when I see them, we're, we're sitting back going, these guys are real. Wow, they're lying for their autographs. So like, out. What the hell's going on? And I, I was still a bit shocked. And even a friend of mine went. He's sitting to me, going, "Who are like? Who are these young bucks? Who are they?" Um, to a year later, uh, <laughs> yeah, like they, they pretty much they'd become the biggest thing. Yeah. In the world, which, but it was what? that House of Hardcore show that brought me back. Yeah, and uh, it's. Funny to say, the first House of Hardcore show, I think, had more modern stars, if you know what I mean. The second House of Hardcore had more nostalgic stars outside of your Nick Aldis, your Lance Archers, and a few others. But it had, like, uh, Bob Ray Dudley, it had Mick Foley, Swoggle, uh, Tommy Dreamo, Al Snow, uh, Billy Gunn, all them on it. And, uh, it was more of a nostalgia thing for me to go to that show. Like I, I, I agree. I agree. It, it did. But I, that's one thing. That's what I loved about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, for me, Mick Foley's always going to be my favorite. And before <laughs> even uh, that happened, he was my favorite. I put him up there with my uh, top five world champions of all time. Even though he was a transitional champion like twice. <laughs> out of the three yep. times he <laughs> held it. But, uh, yeah, I still think he's one of the greatest uh, performers, sports entertainers of all time, as the Vince McMahon would order his commentators to say. <laughs> but, uh, like, cause he, like he said, he wasn't a professional wrestler, 
He was just a guy that could act well in a car crash. Hey, Mick Foley is one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. I have like a handful. And like my favorites of all time, uh, Mick Foley, HBK. Um, then we then uh, Hulk Hogan has to go in there because I've always loved Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Um, uh, Sabu as well. Yeah. And Sabu, it, I don't know. It's Sabu is Sabu, and even his online presence is horrible. Um, <laughs> but that guy, first time I ever seen him, '99 at the Whitlam Center in Liverpool on the AWF show. I was like, who is this guy? This guy is unbelievable. And then that show, it was kind of small show anyway. He was um he was really oh, we were all really close so yeah you got to see all the scars and shit and then over the years I think out of any international wrestler I've seen Sabu more than anyone yeah and I don't know it so I don't even trying to think but yeah Mick Foley and um yeah Mick Foley is yeah he must I would say he's my number one guy yeah, I would say Mick's my number one guy as far as in-ring goes. Or not in-ring, as far as personality and persona and everything goes. Actually, just overall, he's my number one guy. I, yeah, that, that's it for me. He's just, that's If I want to watch it, it's Mick Foley. So. Yeah, if I, I want to introduce someone to wrestling, I show them a Mick Foley match. <laughs> I, it might not be one of his C4 barbed wire matches from Japan <laughs> or his cell drop or his uh, last man standing match from the Royal Rumble but against yeah. The Rock, but it'll be one of his matches, no doubt, or even one of his promos. Uh, yeah, Mick, see, he's just all round. He's just good. Yeah. Like, there's nothing, okay, his, yeah, his wrestling might not be the best, like, this might not be the best. That doesn't matter. He's so entertaining. Yeah. Um, and I just, when he came out at House of Hardcore and he did his, you know, little the theme music played and he actually came out, the house erupted. Yeah. Like, the place erupted. And I've got footage of it when he comes out and I still watch that back and I'm like, this is unbelievable. I don't even know how many people were there. Um, but everybody, the minute his music hit, it was like the you know thirty thousand strong. It didn't matter. It was yeah. It was unreal. And uh, he's the nicest, one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Him, Lance Archer, and Tommy Dreamer are the three nicest men I've ever met. Oh, that's uh, awesome. As far as the wrestling industry goes, it's yep. funny because Lance Archer plays such a good asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's a guy that I when um what was it? So I started watching New Japan. And when I seen him, I was like, oh, this guy is pretty cool. And a mate of mine went, oh, yeah, he's been around and done this. And I had no idea. And I, because I stopped watching it for a period of time, um, him starting, was it Vance Archer, Vance, whatever his name was, um, I went back and I checked him out. And I'm like, this guy is amazing. Yeah. And he he's going to do amazing things. He's yeah. definitely going to do amazing things. A bit of trivia. He actually had Chris Candido's very last match. Really? It was Chris Candido's oh. bonnet before Chris died in that uh, tragic tragic accident. But yeah, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Who would uh, who would you rank as your top five like champions of all time? Yeah. See, that's oh, that's a hard one. Hmm. <laughs> see what? Uh, yeah. See. Oh. Ooh. 
it, it's hard. See, world champion. I'm just. I'll give you. So, I've always liked uh, RVD as the television champion. Yeah. Um, I, I always thought that when he held, held that belt, like it just worked for him. Yeah. Um, I also uh, champions of all time. Uh, HBK. Yeah. Um, and when it, uh, see and. I've, yeah, HBK would definitely be up there because I've got such strong, like, fond memories of that. Uh, Hulk Hogan was another one. Yeah. Um, oh, other world champions. Um, oh, oh that's, that, that is such a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> it is such a hard question. Yeah. Because I'm trying to think about, because, yeah, when, because it's more for me, like, I've never... The belts sometimes, just because you were world champion, I sometimes like the guy holding the TV championship. Yeah. Or the intercontinental. Well, like, actually, intercontinental, once again, that, um, like, I loved how HBK, like, was an inter- uh, intercontinental champion and then became the world uh, the world champion, WF champion. Um, you know, it's hard to get a top five, but what, what do we got? We got, I think HBK was an awesome champion. Um did, wait, did RVD actually hold the world championship? He did it. He something. did in 06. He held the WWE the and then he converted it to the ECW world title. Yeah. Then when he left the company, he held the TNA world title. Ah. Oh. He, he okay, was well, the one to beat AJ Styles. Ah, oh, well, you know what? He's on my list. <laughs> <laughs> he just he just made the list. That is awesome. <laughs> um. I, I think um, I've, and this is a more recent one. I think Kenny Omega, yeah. um, and this goes for like the IWGP and the AEW was cool. But I thought what he was in New Japan was just amazing. The presence that he had, a little bit. Everything's a bit different now. I thought he was doing really well in Japan and how that was all going. Yeah. Um, and I know I got to get. I need one more. I need to pick someone else. Who else was cool? I see. I would say Mick Foley, but I don't know. I I never thought Mick Foley needed a belt, even though he's probably one of those guys that when he got the belt, um, it probably meant more to him than a lot of other people. And his win was one of those iconic wins. It's still replayed to this day. Yeah. So you know, I'll put Mick Foley in there because I I think that him getting the belt, um, it, it meant a lot to him. Just you know from where he'd come from and what he wanted to be, which he achieved, which is unbelievable because yeah. when you he, – <laughs> he's, he's a guy that, in a way, you would never put money on him at the start to, you know, to win the race. Exactly. And, and he did it. And he thought he was going to go nowhere as well. Like if yeah. you watch his DVDs or read his books, he just thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to give this a go, but no one's going to hire an overweight guy from New Jersey. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and he ended up he being made... one of the biggest names in history. That's true, and you can't say that. And I've got—I was just—I'm looking around my my computer room that I'm in, and I'm, yeah, I have three, four, five, six McFoley, seven McFoley figures, he rings, bloody plushies. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've yeah. got. Uh... Four Mick Foley figures and a Mr. Sarko. Um, yes. Hanging up in my room. I framed him and everything. Actually, one thing I did go to, Mick was doing his, um, what was it called? The 
his like comedy was it comedy tour? No, oh, the, the Twenty Years of Hell tour. That thing, yeah, yeah I yeah, went I to that. You um, that too. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Yeah, it was like a oh, week after the House of Hardcore. That's that's it. Yeah, we went to that. Um, there's 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 been so much wrestling. That's what I said at the start of this. There's just been there's been so much happening that wrestling's become fun again. Yeah, and and um, watching Mick Foley for that what hour whatever he did and just the way he talks and you can't not listen to him. Yeah. Like, He's such a good storyteller, um, and in in a way, that's probably what made him in wrestling as well, because wrestling is all about telling a story. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he's an amazing storyteller. Another good thing I went to Eric Bischoff. He did his. Yeah, yeah, I went to that as well, and I went yeah. to the uh, the Bruce Pritchard one. And that I, was... I didn't. I didn't go to Bruce Pritchard. I uh, his... and I keep getting told I should have went to his. Also. Was funny from start to finish. Like, yeah. you didn't break for laughter at all. <laughs> it was fucking awesome. And Bischoff's was awesome as well. And I can't wait for uh, what was the one that was announced but it got cancelled? Scott Hall. Was it Scott Hall, was it? He was going to come out doing a spoken word tour. Oh, man. That it six. got cancelled. Uh, uh, probably, yeah, COVID. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. supposed to happen midway through last year. Yeah, that would have been something I would have been interested in as well. Yeah. Like, my view on the top five world champions would yep. be, like, because you've got to come at it in my book in separate ways. Like, as far as, like, doing stuff for the business, you can't really go beyond Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair. Uh, I don't I don't disagree with that at all, yeah. But as far as, like, in-ring stuff, you can't really include Hulk Hogan in that because or John Cena because like they were limited back in the day. Mm-hmm. John Cena now is like much better than he was fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. That dude's a freak. But mm-hmm. uh, uh but like as far as like my personal top five picks, I would obviously number one have to go Foley, like I said. He was only a transitional champion, but my god he's First win was iconic, and his second win was iconic. His third win is just because Stone Cold didn't like Triple H. <laughs> and then, like, number two, I would have gone Shawn Michaels, except for the fact that uh, when he did hold the belts, he was an absolute prick. Yeah, that's what I liked about him. <laughs> <laughs> like, he did hold it in 2002, I had my favorite ever pay-per-view. He won it, but he lost it a month later. And for the eight-year or, yeah, eight-year stretch that he was active, he never held another singles title. Oh. Like, he held the tag titles, I think, four times in that period, but yep. he never held another singles title. He always chased. I got in this conversation with someone a few weeks ago that there are some guys that just are so good at chasing their belt. Like, uh, there are some guys that are so good at holding it, like Drew McIntyre, surprisingly good at holding that belt. Bobby oh, Lashley, man. surprisingly good at holding that belt. Shawn yep. Michaels, so good at chasing. I, I When you mentioned Drew McIntyre, I... Not that I'd put him in any top world champions yet. Oh, yeah. I, I Not 
he's not in my top five. I just mean that he's good at oh, holding. No, no. The what belt. I mean is, I'm saying I think if you talk to me in ten years' time, I think Drew McIntyre could possibly be in that top five. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm just, I was just when you mentioned him, I'm like, he is one guy that I, I remember watching a documentary about him in ICW, or like, so he just been letting go, let go from WWE, and then he came back to Scotland. And there's a few documentaries out there about ICW and how they brought Drew Galloway back in, and um, and and then to see when they gave him the belt last year, was it over Goldberg? Am I wrong? No, no, uh, that was Braun Strowman. It was over. Uh... Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, yeah. Uh, yeah, cool. That was right. That's, yep. Yeah. Um, when he had the belt, I was like, this is awesome. And I don't know, I was a bit, I was a bit disappointed to see him not re- win it at, a, at WrestleMania this year. But I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, oh. putting the belt on him would have, they were between a rock and a hard place. In one case, You've got Drew McIntyre, who's a great champion for the company at the moment yeah. in this truly unprecedented time. And then you, on the other hand, you've got Bobby Lashley, who's a great champion in this truly unprecedented time. And they've been waiting literally decades to put that belt on him. And when they finally yeah. did it, like yeah. taking it off him this soon might have been the mistake. You know what that, I mean? That, that, no, I totally get you. I just... It's hard. I, I'm I'm not the one in there writing stuff, but I, I just didn't want to cut you off. But when you mentioned um, Drew McIntyre, then I that just popped in my head, and I was like, I think in ten years' time we're going to be looking back, and he is going to be one of those guys. Yeah. Could be completely wrong. He could be get let like, go next week. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, was that number two? I would have to go Ric Flair. Just because of what he did in the nineties and the eighties, and yep. like he was so good. Uh, number three, like you said before, I grew up in the Hulkamania era. It has to be Hulk Hogan. Yep. Uh, I grew up in the Hulkamania era, and I was one of the ones devastated when he turned heel in '96. <laughs> and then I became a fan of the NWO and everything yes. that they were doing. Yes. Uh, number four. Even though he wasn't the greatest in ring, but he did so much for the industry that can still be felt to this day is Steve Austin. Yeah, yeah, he was cool. And like the late nineties, I don't like he. I don't remember him not holding the belt. Like if it wasn't the Rock, it was him. If you know yeah, what yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like. For me, his attitude was just what made WWE win the Monday Night War. Yep. It was just so cool. And number number five would have to be Chris Jericho. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Why, like, why do you got him in there? What's like his last run with AEW, he did so much for that like literally virgining company. Like yep. it was just so good. And then He's changed up his character so many times. When he won the world title back in 08, I think it was, against uh, in the ladder match with Shawn Michaels, that mm-hmm. character was so good. And the fact that uh, he's never won the world title as a phase. 
but he can do the face heel dynamic so well. Yeah. And I just, I've always loved his stuff, whether he's a heel, whether he's like a coward, whether he's the uh, ultimate evil dude, like he's a white character, whether he's the little bit of the bubbly inner circle heel that he is now. Yeah, yeah. Or he's a face now, I think, because of their feud with yeah, uh, I, I, I noticed that. Uh, yeah, everything's changed. That's cool. That's what happens. That's yeah. Fine. Well, I suppose against MJF, there is no way you could really be the heel against MJF. MJF is just the ultimate. Yeah. Um, he, I, when I'd never really seen that. Actually, no, that's a lie. I saw him watching random wrestling and I, the comp, what was it? I can't remember the company's name. But anyway, it was, um, it was before AWs. Before, I, I can't remember where it was. Anyway, I watched MLW? Could it, might have been. Because that's where he was oh, before AEW. Yes. It, yes, I think it was MLW because they do free shows on YouTube. Yeah, or they yeah. used to. They're signed to Vice, like, literally three uh, days okay. ago. I, I, did, I did see something. Because they, I, anyway, on my Facebook, I think it was, or whatever, Twitter, I saw a, a post and they posted an old show. Yeah. And it had, um like, Christopher Daniels versus whatever, and it had... Was um, was it uh, Umaga? And... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, they, yeah, yeah, they had some. Stuff and I went, oh, I forgot they were around like ages ago. Yeah. Um, they on a side note, they are the only company that truly handled the lockdown the best. They have a faction, and I can't remember the name of the faction in their company that took over the MLW show and said, "We're going to," and this before. It kind of all fit into place. This is before COVID happened. They said, if we take over, we're going to cancel a MLW. And then <laughs> okay. when Court Bauer heard that the virus is probably going to lock them all down, he let the faction take over MLW and shut the show down. <laughs> Smart. There you yeah. go. That's very, that's very good. Yeah. I, I did not know that. I'm going to I'm gonna have to look into that stuff. That's cool. Cause it's Court Bauer, like he was the head writer of uh, Raw during the Ruthless Aggression era. Yep. And like, for me, he's a genius. Yeah, I the stuff I've seen at MLW, um, and like I said I, I've talked a bit about like how cool YouTube is, and you type something and everything comes up. They want to, I they had a show. I can't remember what it was called. It was like some kind of royal battle, royal rumble thing whatever they called it, Battle Riot, maybe they called it. Yeah. And just all the wrestlers that were coming into it, um, because I had had this resurgence and I started really checking everything out again, like I was back in my tape trading days, where I, I would sit there and I'd be like, all right, cool. Oh, so Stevie Richards actually, when he's wrestling in ECW, he also wrestles these little indie promotions. i got to find these little indie promotions. Um, that's how deep, and you know, the internet wasn't as good as it was then as it is now. Yeah. So... Trying to find certain things, it was weird. And I don't know how I was able to find out as much stuff. But, um, yeah, the, the MLW stuff did impress me. And they, I didn't mention before, but they are definitely another one of the top companies. Yeah, yeah. As far as indie promotion goes, yeah. Like them mm. and a few other. And one of the promotions that is fast coming back is NWA. 
Yes. See, oh, see, the NWA. I, I don't know. The, it, it reminds me of 1986 and my tapes and watching like the, the studio environment, which I hated then. I, I don't particularly like it now either. <laughs> um, yeah. But the NWA pay-per-view where like they actually kind of had music and they came out, I went, okay, because I like like entrances with music, but every time I watch the, the power, I think it's power, whatever it is, um, yeah. Yeah, it's missing that vibe, but that's what they're going for, and they're going for wrestling, and yeah. I don't know. It still hasn't grown on me yet. It's uh, it's getting better. The in-ring stuff is like better than most companies. It's uh, their presentation that needs a bit of work. Yeah. It still hasn't got me, and I've tried. I really have. Like, I didn't just go, oh, I'm not going to watch it. I, I tried. And then when um, Marty Skrull rocked up, see, a lot of, this is a problem that's been for the last year. Um, All, like, the indie promotions, all the smaller, have had to kind of stop doing what they were doing. And we've only been stuck with um, WWE and AEW. An impact, yeah, an impact as well. Yeah, impact. Um, a lot. Ring of Honor is still going. Are they still? See, yeah, I they're still seen... producing weekly shows. Okay, all right. Just so in I've front of that. absolutely no one, like yeah. no digital screens or anything. It's just them and the ring, and that's it. It's kind of you see the uh, the the flaws in Ring of Honor that were hidden by the rest of it. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's I, I didn't. You just I didn't even know that. Like yeah, <laughs> I um, exactly. I, I didn't even know they were doing that. That's um, that's disappointing. But uh, hopefully everything starts change. It will. So things will start changing, and over the yeah. next year or so, everything will will get back to whatever the new normal will be. So yeah. Okay, uh, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're here with me and my special co-host for this episode, AC Brimshaw. Hey. <laughs> uh, in this segment, we're going to be talking about bands because that's the other half of both of our lives, pretty much. Uh, I spent, oh, since I was about 14 in the music industry, doing different things, playing in bands, organizing gigs, all that stuff. AC spent a very long time in the music industry with a band that I quite enjoy, actually, that I've tried to book a few times. Yeah, yeah. The closest one I ever came to was uh, a few years ago, and they had to pull out because of issues, and then I restructured the show. But uh, why don't you tell us a bit about you, your experiences and the, your band? Yeah, so um, I know you've been playing music so after like when I got out of wrestling, um, kind of what happened with that was um, I started in bands while I was kind of not training all the time. So that was yeah, kind of young at that point, and always done stuff with friends and different things. So over the years, I've been in heaps of bands. Um, but the the last one, the latest one, we'll say, who who knows, what I'll do next. <laughs> um, was not another sequel, just another prequel, NASJAP. And um, that kind of came out of... So I was in, in a whole bunch of bands, but I was in a band when I was um, I was probably maybe 18, 19, uh, called Thoughts of Yesterday. And we were a kind of... 
we were trying to be, I don't know, a Treyu. Um, we were trying to be, I don't know, a Treyu. Um, so, um, yeah, we were, we were trying to stick around that emo, screamo-y kind of hardcore, and I, there's going to be so many genre terms I'm going to use. Um, because I don't know in the bands, I don't know what we what we were, but um, thoughts of yesterday, we had a bunch of guys and we just started. That was our first real. I was in bands before that, but that was our first time actually playing consistent shows, getting booked, and not playing people's kind of parties or backyards, which is where you normally start. Yeah. You kind of go, hey, they're like you're growing up, and everybody's like, oh, I've got my like 16th, so can you know your band play? And we're like, oh yeah, but uh, we're you know we're gonna need at least one case of beer, <laughs> like, you know, so that would, um, you know, you'd play for a case of beer or like, oh, things like that, um, and then, so this is the first, I guess, or second real band where you were actually getting paid $20 to play a show or whatever it was, <laughs> I don't know, um, you get a dollar a head or whatever the, the door fee is and stuff like that, or you sell your tickets to your friends and all that, yeah. um, so Thoughts of Yesterday started... Um, and then we went for a year or so. Um, we and that band was doing extremely well. Um, and the problem that happened with that band is so when we got big, say big, which is not big, but <laughs> when we started getting somewhere um, and we started getting offered all these really cool shows, the people in the band wanted to do other things. So. We split up. Um, one of them went off and they joined. I'm going to mess up all the band names and whatever. But he went to a band. It might be called Irrelevant or called something else. The other one went somewhere else. And they all started doing. Um, their bands were more similar to like Har Parkway Drive. Yeah. And I Killed the Prom Queen and that kind of stuff. So they actually started playing like their bands would play with those bands. So, like. Um, it was that was big at that time as well, that style of music. Yeah, but those bands that I mentioned weren't. Okay. Like, sorry, they were still playing PCYCs. They were still playing um, clubs that only hold 200 people. Okay. Yeah. So we're at that point. But they're, but they're the ones that would headline and sell out the 200. Yeah. So this yeah. Is, I, I can't remember what time period that was, but that's when this happened. So, um, so Parkway Prom Queen, things like that. Um, that though they would go off and play that, those style of shows, and then I eventually end up joining another band. What we called after that called Vendetta Symphony, and we were more of like a traditional metalcore. But what we did is we mixed in um, symphonic sounds. And, uh, and this band, this Vendetta Symphony, this is a band over, every band I've ever been in somehow still ends up, the albums end up on YouTube somewhere where somebody randomly has just posted. I don't know where the hell they got the albums from because we sold like none of them. <laughs> um, I don't, and they always come from overseas, like European countries and stuff. And yeah. I have, I, I don't know how they got it. Yeah. Because I, I barely have like a copy of it. So, I, I don't know, but this band seemed to, Vendetta Symphony seemed to have done really well in the overseas kind of thing. And when you kind of look up the band, and you some, I sometimes find articles and stuff, and they're always from overseas. So, I don't know how that happened, but something 
good happen there, which I didn't make any money off. Okay. Um, yeah, I can I can buy my own album for like what is it, seventy two euro cents or whatever it is. Um, I don't make a. I just saw the website. It was like a few months ago, and they they're selling the album. I'm like, who has this album? I I own the fucking album. So, <laughs> um, then after that, I joined a band called um, Chair Like Issues, um, which was like a weird band. I don't even know what genre to put it in. And we played around a lot, but we played. We didn't really play Sydney that often. The band would just travel, and I don't know. We'd play random play. We for some reason we were in Albury like every couple of weeks. I don't know why. Um, but that's, I wasn't booking that band, so they were just like, "Oh, we need to be in Albury." Well, like, that's a six-hour drive. What are we getting paid? Oh, nothing. Awesome. Can't wait to play there. Um, <laughs> Um, we, we when we did do like certain shows, we did get we did get some stuff. I can't remember. I remember like not having to pay for petrol and stuff all the time. So we must have been making some money. I don't just know where it went. Um, and after that so chair like issues, everything kind of it was like a bit of a fallout. And then I stepped away for about three years. And from one of the guys in chair like issues, um, we tried to start a band. But we were more just chilling in my bedroom playing music every weekend and we were drinking. Like, <laughs> so it was, and we, we'd have this thing where, I even posted it once on YouTube where we would do this thing where we go around the world in beers and we'd buy beers from different com- uh, countries and then like we're flying to the Czech Republic so we're going to drink this beer and more and more as we would drink we'd get more smashed and like yeah, it's not good. And like, if people do look it up on YouTube, you won't be entertained. Um, but it is there, so you can see it. Um, um, but yeah, so we were like, um, get together and write these songs, and then I started playing. I started writing music for it on guitar, and I had ideas. And at that point, I, in my earlier bands, I'd always been a vocalist, and I played bass in one band. And I and I knew how to play guitar. I was just shit at it. Yeah. I still am. But for a very small period of time, and this was probably 2008, 2010, <laughs> I knew how to play guitar. And I wrote songs. Yeah. Um. So we were, and I had an electric drum kit as well. So as we were kind of were chilling, writing some music, and then I, we started kind of getting a bunch of songs, and I was like this would be kind of cool if we actually turn this into a band. So we started recruiting people and I went back to one of the guys I used to be in the band with in Thoughts of Yesterday and I asked him if he'd come along and be a part of it. And he didn't have a car at that time. So I was like, hey, I'll drive you to Prac and then you don't need to worry about getting there. And he's, I'm like, I know you don't have any money and, and he's like an audio engineer and stuff. So he wasn't making any money. So kind of blackmailed him into being in the band <laughs> and and uh yeah it worked <laughs> he hasn't left so uh, um um so yeah, we did that we started writing music and then we we kind of got like a, a crew together and um and the songs that we started writing and we had songs left over from other bands so i'm going to mess this up but some of the songs on the cd we have is shadows um, actually, Shadows might be the only one on that CD, on the the album. 
Um, that's actually that was originally written in 2004, um, and then it actually it was on a CD we had in Thoughts of Yesterday, and then we re-released it under the Nasjap banner. Um, but there's a few songs that, are, that were actually like other songs from over the years that we've adapted and changed into being whatever. So Nasjap kind of came around. Um, one I blackmailed a guitarist. The other one we just we had nothing better to do. Um, <laughs> We found the drummer through a friend, and the bass player tried out one day, and we needed a bass player, so he was in. Um, the name, though, we had like a whole bunch of names written down, and I don't know some of the names were. One of them was like Anarchy Sky Jingles, and there was the Ensign Always Dies, which is a reference to Star Trek, and, the, and we had all these like names. And then on the paper there was, uh, what's that name? Uh, not. So it was not another prequel, just another sequel. But there were two different names. And somehow we were like, oh, if we wanted to shorten this down and it be it would be Napjass. And we're like, Napjass sounds stupid. <laughs> and we we thought Nasjap sounded better, which it doesn't. Now thinking about it, it's fucking stupid. Uh, but... It still sounds better than uh, Napjass. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but Napjass could have been Nasjap, and you would have been stuck with Napjass, so it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> oh, God, the name is stupid. But, but, so, some people were like, oh, does the name come from, you know, you like horror movies and, uh, sorry, movies and different um, pop culture, and I'm like, no, the name was written down, we changed it, and that's what we got. <laughs> um, it's a long, obnoxious name, um, and people always go... You go, uh, they go, what's your band name? And I go, oh, not another sequel, just another prequel. And they go, what the fuck? <laughs> and this is like, this is every single person. I go, oh, it's Nasjap for short. And they're like, that makes even less sense. Yeah. And I, I really like it that way. I like the fact that people get confused really easily about the name. Or they go, oh, so you're the sequel band, right? Yeah, we're the sequel band. A little cool story. We got booked in Queensland. And we got the, the run sheet for the gig. And we were like, okay, so there's four bands on the show, and there was band one down the bottom. I think we were headlining. And there was band one down the bottom, and then band two, and then they were like, oh, Nasjap, and not another sequel, just another prequel. And we're like, I don't think they realize we're the same fucking band. <laughs> so um, I gave them a call, and yeah, they had no idea. They're like, oh, we just got told that there was a not another sequel, just another prequel, uh, and a Nasjap. And I'm like, yeah, it's one and the same. <laughs> so, same um, band. <laughs> same band. Um, but yeah, what I really dug about this band is I got to be stupid and with my lyrics and I got to sing about things that really appeal to me and I didn't care if they appealed to anybody else and they somehow did because yeah. I didn't, I, I realized that I like nostalgia and so does other people, but people dig like the songs that we've written, um, things like, uh, Bill and Ted's most Bill and Ted's most awesome voyage, epic voyage, most epic voyage, and to me, like it's people were like, oh, we really dig the Bill and Ted song because we love Bill and Ted, and I'm like, I love Bill and Ted. That's <laughs> why I'm singing that song. Um, and then I, I wrote a song. So one of the songs I'd actually pretty much wrote the whole thing is Halloween Falls on Friday the Thirteenth. While I was having a nightmare on Elm Street, a good guy doll was delivered. Um, I and that's a mouthful and it's insane. Yeah, but. That song is, it's all about how horror movies just make more money because they just become sequels or remakes or reboots. And 
and it's kind of weird how the band, not another sequel, just another prequel, and how it all came about. The name had nothing to do with what I was singing about. This band could have been called anything, and we were still going to still sing about the same things because the songs were already written. It just kind of, I think the name just kind of ended up working with what we sing about and what we wrote. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> well, the first time I ever heard of you guys or, or Najap was uh, actually I was at a show and uh, my mates were playing and the bass player was wearing a Najab t-shirt. The band was Red Bear, who I'll get uh, yeah, into in a yeah. bit later. But uh, yeah. Jim Jim Silk was wearing a Najab shirt. And it was yep. a really cool design and I can't actually remember which design it was. Yep. But it had the logo at the top. And I asked him, who is that band? And he explained it to me and explained what the songs were about. I was like, I have to check them out. And then I checked you guys out. And I was like, oh, I really like that. That is fucking awesome. awesome. Oh, well, Jim, Jim, um, well, us and Red B, like we, when we started, yeah, when we started playing around more, Red B was one of the first bands that um, we would, uh, we would end up going kind of on tour with, or we'd play around, like we just, we'd both been playing, um, not that we both started at the same time, but we both kind of came up together yeah. and played the same show. So every time that we were booked on a show, Red B were booked on a show, and we're like, "Who's Red B? <laughs> like, what the fuck's a Red B?" And um, and they're probably thinking, "What the fuck's a Nashat?" Like, so and they were because we've talked about this, <laughs> um, and we have some really, we have some really good, we've had some really good times with those guys. Um, uh, yeah where we're yelling at each other merch wars, trying to outsell each other at shows. That was yeah. always cool. Um, I've always just been surprised by them that a three-piece being can uh, bring out such an enormous sound. Oh, and yes. The fact that uh, Dunny, the drummer Ian Dunn, the fact that he can play that whole show without dying, he's yeah, only yeah. a tiny little thing. <laughs> yeah, he is. So we became really good friends with those guys um, over the years, and even when they released their, uh, I think it was Ictus album, um, the yeah. one they had on the USB. That was their first album. That would be the first album, yep. But they released a, a version of it on USB. Yeah, yeah. And I've got somewhere here. Um, the they've got um, what do you call it? Uh, lessons on how to play their songs. Yeah. Um, it was actually me and my guitarist that went in and videoed all that for them. Oh, really? All that production. So, because we were, so Nasjap, there's there's a lot, there's a lot, and I guess I'll explain a little bit of it because I viewed started viewing Nasjap not as just a band but as like a brand or a product, and it's kind of stupid because like I was like, okay, so we're gonna have our own clothing line, and that's why we had so many designs. So people started buying our shirts because they were like, holy shit, that looks so cool. And it didn't look like your normal band shirts. Yeah. Um, and that's what – so every time that we put our shirts on a table next to other bands, they all went, hey, where did you guys get your shirts? And I was like, hey, so you guys want to be a part of this? And then we'd start, I'd start picking up business and getting bands involved and getting designs sorted and printing. And I had my own uh, clothing label, which was called Speed Justice Clothing. Um, and Speed Justice is also the record label, and it, there's this whole Speed Justice group of bands and stuff. It kind of went crazy for a bit. Yeah. But 
Um, yeah, Nastrap was, we tried to do something where, yeah, it wasn't just the band. We were trying to be this product as well. And I actually, I, I, I have a comic book of us somewhere that's never been released. Um, and it was really cool. And the, the comic book is all about the song A-Bit Superhero. And we got it. It's all drawn up. It's all done. There's just It, it never got finished because we never finished. Um, we were trying to get the comic book, so we were going to sell it. Um, and it was all going to have, like, ads. and it, Like, we're going to have some fake-looking ads inside and where you can – where comic books used to have things like, oh, if you get this, you can get your, you know, amazing sea monkey sent to you and shit, all this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I went a bit overboard and – with the, de- the design stuff, I, we tried to make sure that we always stood out. And, yeah. and that's one thing I think we did, re- regardless of whatever we did and what people thought of us, uh, we always tried to make sure it didn't matter what show we were on um, and who we were playing with. And we played some amazing shows with some like internationally regarded talent type of thing, right? And when we put our shirts and our merchandise on the table, um, we stood out and people always went, oh, wow. Yeah, I want that. So I'm glad that, you know, our shirt being out there and you, a shirt was what um, made you find us. Yeah, pretty much. Like, that worked. <laughs> it, it, would, it must have been a pretty good shirt because it would take a lot to distract me from a Red B concert. Yeah. And like, all I could focus on the whole set was the shirt that Jim Silk was wearing. And I was yeah. like, oh, fuck, they're finished. <laughs> There you go. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> they even played like uh, Roadkill, and I was still like, oh, that shirt is fucking awesome. <laughs> fucking Roadkill. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fuck, they're amazing. Uh, is that, there's a video, there's a, I've, uh, what is it? There's a video out there somewhere of me announcing, uh, what song is it? Red B did, and it might have been Angelo School of Arms. Yeah. And they've got like... That's their instrumental, <laughs> isn't it? That's it. That's it. And um, during one of the parts, they he used to always be like, all right, we've got the slow part. And we've got the other slow part. And then we... No, no. So we've got the, we've got the soft part. And then we've got the, the the mildly distorted part. And then we've got the lose your shit part. And um, we I used to like... We would hang out a lot, right? So I was always giving him shit about that. And one day he, he called me up and he was like, Ace, come here. You tell them that. And I'm like, all right. And I was fucking hammered. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know how I didn't trip getting up on stage. And, you can, yeah, you see it. I'm, I'm wasted. But, um, yeah, there's a video out there of Red B Live doing Angelo School of Arms. I'm there. And then halfway through, I jump up. They get me to jump up on stage and um, help them announce the, the what is it, the, <laughs> the intro into the, the lose your shit part. So that was good times. Uh, they're one of those bands, like, I booked them in Batemans Bay, yep. and uh, at the little venue that I was running down here, uh, and no one had ever heard of, of uh, Red Bead. They actually replaced uh, you guys, because oh. I was supposed to, I tried to book you guys, and then a uh, something came up, I think one of your members left, and you had to pull out of the gig. But uh, it would have been you guys, Aggression... Yep. Uh, a local band called Terravorus, and it might have actually even been Red Bay on the mm-hmm. bill as well. So it would have been stacked. They drove from Katoomba to Batemans Bay and back on the same night. Oh, you know what? They are notorious for, for doing, doing that, that shit. Yeah. Oh, man. They, uh, like, so where I am, 
uh, Red B are about like half an hour away from where I live. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, about half an hour, 40 minutes max. And so we always, like I said, we're playing the same shows. We would go and do the run, but a lot of times we'd go find at least a hotel. No, not these guys, no. Yeah. Uh, they would travel there, travel back. Doesn't matter if they're headlining or playing first. And they don't leave, they don't leave the show either. I remember a few years ago, they were sporting Sedonia at the uh, basement in Canberra. They drove yep. from Katoomba to Canberra as soon as their set was finished. They stuck around for a bit, shook hands with the band, packed mm-hmm. the van at the end of the gig, and then just drove home. Yep, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. like, I couldn't do that. I'm like, and it was a two-seater van, and Dunny was like stuck in the middle. middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> This is the images in my head because I we dealt with that all the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, they they are the best. They are the best. I, I haven't um I haven't I've seen what they've been doing recently. Yeah. Um, which is which is good. But uh, for me, I've even I, last time I even spoke to spoke to them. Um, I, I just gave them. I, I like your old shit better than your new shit. <laughs> oh, the the second album, "It Grew on Me," "Dead Inside" is like one of my favorite songs yep. now. Their uh, new stuff's amazing. I just like to give them shit. <laughs> <laughs> they are, when they came down, no one in Bateman's Raid knew who the fuck Red B was yep. at all. Didn't know who they were. And I packed one up with Terravirus or kind of a deathcore death metal band. Uh, yep. I, I put a hardcore, like a real hardcore punk band, not like Screams, but like yep. actual like 70s hardcore. Uh, called Brown Paper Bag from now, uh, and I put uh, someone else in there. I can't remember who it was. And Red B headlined, who was this three-piece prog band that no one had ever heard of. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, at the start of their set, it had me and maybe two other people in the front row, and me being in a wheelchair, people thought, oh, I can't come to the front and crowd the guy in the wheelchair. By the end of their third song, it was a 200-person venue, I had a hundred and ninety people packing it out, and maybe eighty five percent of them were in the pit around me. And then yeah. by the end of this set, literally a hundred percent of the people were at the stage because they ended on Angelo's, I think, on the instrumental. Yep, yeah. Well, that that was uh, I would expect that. That was that's a good song to go yeah. out on as well. It is, and it's the crowd were going fucking mental. And, like, the first thing said to me after the set was, please bring them back. And yeah, I'm like, cool. fucking hell. First time they ever played in Bateman's Bay, no one had ever heard of them. By the end of the set, I had 190 people begging me to bring them back. And that's because they are unbelievable. Like, that, this is, we, uh, there's, uh, there's a video out there of me complaining about playing after Red B, right? <laughs> and we're headlining, and we're like... We're, I'm sick to death of playing after Red B and getting outplayed by them. <laughs> yeah. It's always um, that enviable, uh, unenviable spot where, like, you're like, really? You're putting Red B on first. Why the hell would you do that? Not for the crowd, for the other bands. Why would you do that? <laughs> it's so cruel. Oh, uh, I, I do miss, honestly, I do miss hanging out with those guys, but playing shows just. The amount of time we spent together, and it's really weird. Like, what did somebody describe Red B to me once? They're like, uh, what did they say? 
the metal frenzel rum. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, all right, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and he has such a unique voice. And he does. I I asked him a while ago. I'm like, do you hate it when bands like sing in an American accent when they're Australian? He goes a little bit, but like. I'm Australian, so I'm gonna sing an Australian accent. I don't, uh, man. I he he is unbelievable. Like I, when, the first time we ever seen them, they blew me away. It was in Newcastle the first time we ever seen them, and um, <laughs> randomly. So we we don't know who these guys are, <laughs> and they, anyway, we start playing. We've also been told that uh, you guys, because because Nasjap, I I use a vocal pedal right so because like we can't afford to have a sound guy all the time and half the sound guys won't let your guy touch the bloody gear anyway yeah so i can't have somebody doing live effects so i was like okay i'll get this pedal i'll run my effects through it so at least we sound more professional and whatever plus with the song what is love i need the auto tune because and people people in like um that don't get the joke they're like we're we're a metal band that does not take ourselves seriously at all, and yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be T Pain on stage and use a auto tune for What Is Love because it sounds stupid, and that makes me laugh. <laughs> and we, we've had bands, um, and I've heard this through my friends and other bands, and they're like, they hate your band because you sing with a pedal, and I'm like, do they not get the joke? Like everybody else in the crowd that's singing along gets the joke, but. Like I, some people are just so I'm so metal and I cannot listen to anything but death metal and anything besides death metal. No, I I, I fucking hate it and I'm not one of those people. This band Nasjab genre hops. Um, we I can do like the dirtiest death screams and and then I can sound kind of pretty sometimes. Yeah. So um uh, and there was a and I, I like to have fun. Yeah. As well. Um. And so the band Redbee. I'm on stage, and just before we get up, I get told that uh, be really careful. The the Newcastle crowd, yeah, they're not not a fan of you. And uh, I'm like, we haven't played here before. How do you mean they're not a fan of us? Well, they might throw bottles at you, and I'm like, we're fucking playing then. And they're like, no, nah, you'll be fine. I'm like, you just told me they're going to throw bottles at us. Like, we're not fine. We're the <laughs> opposite of fine right now. Yeah. And um, and he's like, no, just go out and play. So anyway, we started playing, and it was perfectly fine as it was going to be anyway. But um, yeah, the, the <laughs> yeah, uh, Jim from Redby um went and grabbed a chair and gave me a chair because it was my throne because um, I, I was above him <laughs> and um, and I and I was like to these guys I'm like you guys were unbelievable like you guys were unbelievable so we we were both sucking each other off for a while it was um <laughs> yeah it was it was quite good and but yeah man I'm just glad we brought up memories of Redby man like it. It's been a while since I am. Um, I've even I've even sat down with all the members of the band and we went through stuff for a while because um, we did release a song. Twenty nineteen, uh, October for Halloween, and we did a Ghostbusters cover. Um, and what people don't know about the Ghostbusters cover, is that was actually recorded years before. And what we used to do is every time we were at a venue with bands or they were recording or they're at a prac studio. We used to go down and get them to do Ghostbusters. So okay. on on the actual Ghostbusters bit, you have bands like um, I don't know, Tensions Arise and um, man, uh, 
yeah, there was a shitload of bands on this, and I don't think I, I know we got footage of it, but we just used to get people to be like, oh, we got this Ghostbusters song, can you guys just say go, like you know Ghostbusters, and we'll put it in, and it took that was probably recorded in 2013, 2014, and it finally got released in 2019. Oh, that's awesome. So, uh, we were still like, there's still a few of us that. I haven't, right now, like with the pandemic and everything, we didn't bother doing anything or even trying to get anything band-related going. I went through some old songs and we tried to see what we can release. But, um, yeah, we just, no, we kind of, uh, the guys, of, the two other guys went off into another band at the moment. I think it's called Artemis Blade. Um, so they're, so my guitarist, Adric, and my drummer, Aaron, I believe they're in. I believe they're in that at the moment, and I I probably I caught up with the guys like you know a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't really ask them what was happening with the band situation, um, like what they were doing. So I think those guys have moved off into that band. So I'm guessing they're gonna. This I think it's Artemis Blade will eventually start doing shows. But they I did hear that I did get the the recordings because I believe um it's getting done with uh Adric who is our like audio guy. And guitarist, <laughs> and he does everything. Um, so he showed me some stuff, and it sounded pretty cool. But, oh, that's yeah, awesome. I, I just went off on a total tangent. <laughs> yeah, that's all good, man. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm used to tangents on this show. <laughs> uh, anywhere that's listened to the previous episodes, they know what tangents are all about. <laughs> but yeah, because uh, like. Red B, I have to say, uh, probably my favorite Australian band of all time. Like, uh, the most killer gigs I've ever gotten to see are Red B and King Parrot. Two, mm. two total, as far as metal goes, on the opposite ends of the metal spectrum. One's clean mm. and melodic and uh, very proggy and mathematical, and the other one's just fuck off kind of thing. Yes. Uh, but them playing together, it's like literally your head explodes from all the awesomeness. It's yep. so cool. I haven't gotten to see them play with you guys yet. I yep. want to. I really do want to. But uh, it, might, it might happen again one day. <laughs> like uh, the first time I saw them was in Orange, actually. I uh, I got to see them at uh, a festival that I helped organize, freshly plucked. But I didn't have anything to do with the actual uh, signing of the bands or anything yep. for the lineup. I was the admin officer, so I did all the, uh, got all the posters, the ticketing, the site maps, all that organized for it. But uh, they were playing there, and it was the first time I saw them back in 06, I think it was. And uh, no, 07. And they actually played with Franzel Rom on that show and okay. Mammal. And Umbay Debt and Blue Juice. Oh, yeah. hey. There's a bunch of others. But yeah, hey, it was fucking awesome. That's cool. But uh, I remember the year before I uh, heard that we had Carnival headline in the year before that. And mm -hmm. I heard about this prog band coming out of Katsumba that Dunny was part of. It was actually Dunny's other band, his first band, The Rocks. They were okay. on that bill. And they're more of a punk band. Because okay. I didn't know Donnie could actually drum like that because he was just doing simple punk rhythms the entire yeah. time I knew him. And then I uh, <laughs> pretty much found out that he's one of the best drummers that I've ever known. <laughs> yeah. 
that, that do, okay, I, I'm a very simple dude when it comes to music, right? And, uh, and my timings. And and then you have Danny, and I'm like, yeah. So, yep, I don't understand what you're playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the Australian scene is looking fucking phenomenal at the moment. I mean, like... You got you guys doing your stuff. You got Red Bay doing their stuff. You got King Parrot. You got all these bands representing the industry at the moment. It's looking fucking awesome. I'm I'm just so glad bands are allowed to play again. Yeah. Um, because that that was honestly um, there's just they, there was there was such a, a big gap, obviously. Um, and and it had to happen, but you could see bands were itching. Because like bands like to play live. There's obviously a lot of bands that like to be stuck in a room and create music and whatever. But bands, they need that live energy. And it is the the I did see when it what was it? It was a couple of months ago anyway. And like all the gig posters started popping back up. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah. We're back. <laughs> it's uh, it's gonna be fucking awesome. Uh. Like, even in America, like, at the moment, you've got all these uh, big festivals announcing their lineups. Nine Inch Nails and Metallica are pretty much headlining every single one of them. But uh, one of the names that stuck out for me is being that I've been praying for reformation and I don't even follow a religion. But I've been begging for a reunion, that's my vein. They're finally going yeah. to reunite, supporting yeah. Metallica at one of these big mega festivals but uh who who would you want to see reunite or reform oh that is oh you know, mm, you know this is gonna sound a bit weird right but and i might have a few bands that i want to reform but i'm just gonna say i love kill switch engage right yeah. but i love kill switch engage with howard yeah same i i don't mind the jesse stuff but how was kill switch hey. I have Kill Switch Engage, a, a fucking tape. That tape. Yeah. 99, Kill Switch Engage, right? I've been into Kill Switch Engage since then, right? It was it was even, it was a cassette, it's got them on it, it's, and it's a, it's a, not a demo, but it's like a, it's better than a demo, <laughs> whatever, whatever that is, right? Yeah. Um, but for me, Howard yeah. is, is the man. Um, I love the presence that Howard creates. I love Howard live on stage. Um, see, I would, I want to see, and then I know every now and again, Howard comes on stage and they do some stuff, and that is cool. I love nostalgia. Um, but for me, uh, I just wish more rather than reform, but just there was two kill switch engages, <laughs> one yeah. with Jesse and one with Howard. Um, a band that I want to see should reform. There's a few that have kind of broken up over the years. Actually, this is really random. Another band. Um, there was a band called Blessed by a Broken Heart. Um, they were, I don't know what, what you call them, what their genre is. Um, but they're a band that kind of, they broke up a few years ago. Um, yeah, they're called Blessed by a Broken Heart. I think they had two or three CDs. And... Yeah, I wish I, I wish they would get back together because they were one of the coolest bands. I don't even know if they're metal or what they were. They were kind of cool, and um, maybe that's it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's it. <laughs> it's kind of hard to judge because, like, 
like you said, all the bands that I wanted to reform, and I was actually kind of disappointed when, well, the main band that I wanted to reform, Mammal, when they did reform, I was disappointed because the music wasn't that great anymore. Okay. But I, I wanted to see Butterfingers reform. They did. They haven't disappointed, but the music hasn't been as good as it was. Uh, I wanted to see other bands reform. Mudvayne already did that, sons of bitches. Uh, <laughs> I've wanted, I've seen Black Sabbath a few times, but I really, 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 before any of them pass on, I want to see the original lineup. Because yep. every time I went to see them, either Geezer wasn't there or Bill Ward wasn't there. Yeah, it was always Tony and uh and Ozzy at the front, but I've always wanted to see the other two just so I can say I've seen the original lineup. Yeah, that will never really happen. Cool. Yeah, that's right. That would be cool though. Uh, one band that I would really enjoy seeing live is White Zombie. Oh, okay, you know that that would be cool. Yeah, because Rob's doing his thing, and I don't think they have exactly. A amicable relationship with one another, <laughs> but uh, I would love to see why zombie reform and just do uh, what tour they couldn't, they're not big enough to headline like download by themselves, yeah. but they're big enough to like do a sellout tour, yeah, yeah well, definitely, yeah, definitely. But yeah, you got me. I you reform. I, I just keep thinking, and I'm like, ah, there's so many bands, and then I can't. I, problem is, uh, some bands. It's not that they they haven't reformed. They just you don't know whether they're even still doing stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> oh, actually, Murder Dolls. Okay, so Murder Dolls are one of my all time favorite bands. Um, I yeah follow them around so <laughs> that's another band uh their first cd i thought was really cool i have like all the um frankenstein drag queens from planet 13 got all the stuff of that and i was a big fan like when the minute murder dolls hit i was like it was the kind of same when i talked about the wrestling stuff i i would sit there and i'm like i have to know the ins and outs of everything yeah, yeah. where where did wednesday start you know what everything um so Murder Dolls would be one that I'd love to see reformed, even though when they reformed and they did that next album, I thought it was shit. But I'd still like to see that. Yeah. Um, the actually, yeah, so I did. Yeah. Well, I had uh, Wednesday 13 on my old podcast, and uh, I got to talking about Joey Jordison, and yep. pretty much he said after the last show of the Murder Dolls reformed tour, or whatever it was called, uh, mm -hmm. where they reformed, reunited. Uh, Joey Jordison just stopped talking to everyone in the band, and Wednesday was like, I haven't seen him or spoken to him in about two years. Oh, shit. Oh, okay, well, there you go. Well, that's not happening. So It could <laughs> happen. It's just you've got to get Joey somehow. Yeah. And Corey Taylor has said in other interviews, he's the same. Since he left Slipknot, or was kicked out. Yeah. Whoever you believe on that one, I'm kind of neutral because when it comes to bands that size, I don't believe anything put out by the media, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's he said, she said kind of thing. Uh, or he said, he said. 
But uh, <laughs> Corey Taylor said the same thing. I haven't talked to Joey in ages. He won't reply to any emails, texts, calls. If we turn up at his house and knock on the door, there won't be an answer. Kind oh, of thing. Weird, that... He just ignores everyone. It's just sad that it's got to that. That's weird. And I guess we, we don't know what's going on. So Yeah. It could be like mental issues going on at Joey's head or could be those dudes are just absolute pricks behind closed doors or it could be Joey is an absolute prick behind the closed doors. We don't know. <laughs> it could be. We don't know. But uh, if Joey Joyson was ever going to go into another profession, I would say it would have to be ice hockey. Because that forehead could stop any goal trying to get through. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> oh, God. Someone said to me, it can't be that big. And I'm like, he doesn't have a five head. He has a six head. I'm like, seriously, look up the photos. Corey Taylor made a joke that they had to get his mask extended just so it could fit on his head. Oh, I love it. Uh, he's still oh, a great drummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Joey, if you somehow hear this, I say this out of respect because you're better than I could ever, ever imagine being. Uh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got me. You got uh, me. Oh, that's good. <laughs> but yeah, for me, White Zombie is my choice. No, that'd be cool. That's, uh, you know what? I I used to really dig White Zombie. Yeah, and I dig uh, a lot of Rob's stuff. His newer stuff is take it or leave it. His earlier stuff up to like educated horses, maybe Hellbilly Deluxe Two was fucking awesome. But mm-hmm. all of White Zombie stuff I loved. I haven't heard White Zombie been mentioned in years. Yeah. So yeah. It just took me back a bit. I was like, oh, yeah, why zombie? Uh, I think it would just be awesome. The presentation of it would be awesome. Especially now that they've got more money behind them, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. they had money behind them in the 80s and 90s when they were around. But now, Rob is a millionaire. So, yeah. like, they've got all that money behind them. Yeah, they could push on that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, so uh, that brings us to the end of the show, pretty much. Uh, it's been a long conversation, yeah. Uh, but uh, well, I didn't mind. I had fun. I hope you had fun as well. Yeah, no, I, you know, I could have kept talking about more and more, and but yeah, gotta you gotta stop somewhere, right? Yeah, gotta, yeah. And I'll up. probably hit you up at some point for a second show. That would be awesome. I'd love to do that. And we'll talk about some other stuff. Maybe even expand on the wrestling and music side yeah, even, of things. But like, I, you, gotta, you, get, you get me started talking on movies and then you, what, how many hours? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> my, uh, my, I got into an argument with my last guest. So it was more of a debate than an argument. Yeah. But yeah, about a 1994 in film. I think it is the greatest year in film history, and he thinks it's not. Okay, so, 94. Very Jim Carrey-esque. Yeah, it had three Jim Carrey hits. Yeah. It had Forrest Gump, it had Shawshank yeah. Redemption, it had Pulp Fiction, it had Speed, 
Yeah. Lieutenant Dan. Um, yeah, exactly. I love, by the way, I love Forrest Gump. I just ordered myself two Forrest Gump hats. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm not even fucking joking. I'm, the Bubba Gump uh, Shrimp yeah. Company? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking that sad. I love it. Um, yeah, no, 90, 94 was good. Yeah. 94 was good. That's what I'm saying. Plus the three Jim Carrey movies, but The Mask... Uh, Ace Ventura when Nature Calls. No, Ace Ventura Pet Detective yep. and Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. See, Jim Carrey at that point was unstoppable. Yeah. And I'm but like, he... you can't really repeat that ever again. And uh, yeah. yes, but it was better than anything that ever came before and it was better than anything since. Like, And then he said, you've got to look at the bottom of the barrel which was like uh, the Flintstones movie, which still was a pretty good movie. I I, I love that movie. Yeah. And, yeah, no, uh, I love that movie. The Page Master with Macaulay Culkin, and I'm like, <laughs> that thing is fucking <laughs> iconic, man. I love <laughs> I that film. That, yeah. And True Lies as well. We got uh, we got into an argument over whether that should be an iconic film or not. I'm it like, is an yeah. iconic film. Yeah, exactly. That's what I said. But it's uh, true fucking lies. There's another movie. This is just like me, just on me. Uh, Last Action Hero. Yeah. That fucking movie, I think, is amazing, and I think it gets lost, and people just don't remember it and whatever. That uh, Last Action Hero was amazing, and um, and when the scene I love in it is is in the video store. Oh, um, the uh, when he sees the Terminator. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, <it's alone. laughs> and and you're like, you know what? That's almost. It could have been. It's like yeah. one of those things. It could have been. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, we actually got into that conversation. The, top, the last action era is in my top five Arnie movies of all time. Oh, there you go. Man, so we need to then, we need to talk about movies at some point. You'll need to bring me back. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> uh, when it comes to movies, I, I've always said I'm a jack of all trades and a master of some. Yeah, like, yeah, there are some there where I can just overpower people and just talk forever on those subjects. Yeah. But uh, yeah, movies are one thing that I enjoy more than anything. Like because mm-hmm. you can just sit down and you can't not enjoy the fact that you're sitting down to watch a movie. That's it. Or going to the movies. Going to the movies is an experience on its own. Yeah, I, I, yeah. It is. I, I dig that, but I you got to pick the right movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. If it's a bad movie, it's a bad movie. Oh, yeah. You will. Yeah. Why, <laughs> why did I pay for that? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's uh been worse this year and last year because the whole COVID thing. Nothing but crap <laughs> came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. And I was like, oh my god, why did I go? Why did I pay movie money to see this at movies? Oh my god. But yeah, oh, so yeah, we'll have to get you back on for another show. But uh, this this uh, farewell has been going on for about ten minutes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm enjoying this. We could have literally just started another show right here, right now. <laughs> it could have happened. <laughs> so uh, I'm Tom Roberts, and this is AC Brimshaw. Yep, that's me. <laughs> Uh, I'm saying goodbye to everyone out there in podcast land. 
Hope you've enjoyed the Before It Was Cool podcast. Hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Before It Was Cool podcast, all one word. I know it's very long. Or email us beforeiwc at gmail.com. Or hit me up on Twitter at Tom underscore Dom 89. It's T-O-M underscore D-O-M 89. Or, uh, yeah, generally like, share, comment. Uh, tell your friends to listen to the podcast. It's friggin' awesome. Do you have any social medias that you want to plug? Like uh, anything for NASJAP um, or yourself or anything? Um, You can find NASJAP on Facebook. Uh, just... Type in NASJAP, you'll find us somewhere. Um, for myself, uh, you can. I'm on Facebook, Twitter's, Grinder, Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you can. I'm out there in places. So you just look up AC Brimshaw, you'll find me. If you look on YouTube, you'll find um, stuff from the band. You'll find stuff from my wrestling days. Um, you'll even find me on a game show when I was younger. You can go watch me in the movie. Wormwood, I'm in there somewhere. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's awesome. Hey, what game show? It was <laughs> it was a game show on Fox Kids called Super Six, and it had um, I can't remember. But anyway, it, most of the show had Vulcan as like the um, the referee, but we ended up getting Bruce Bolton, Bolton from um, the Sydney Kings, basketball player. Um, as the referee, Colin McCrat. I can't. No, I can't remember the the host, but he used to do like a lot of stuff. Anyway, the show was trash, and um, yeah, somehow our school got picked to be in it. And and um, if you watch closely, you'll see me cheating. <laughs> and they, they, they catch me out on it. So. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, I didn't know. So. Goodbye to everyone, and we'll see you later. Or right, talk thanks, to everyone. You later. Have a good one.